Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Great. So today, as you will know, is Mother's Day. And if, if you are, in fact, a mother with very small children, you probably knew it was Mother's Day quite early on today. Um, for those of us who are a little bit older um, and still have our mothers alive, maybe that celebration happens a bit later. I'm spending lunchtime with my mum today. I offered to take her out for lunch, but she invited us all around to her place. So I'm not quite sure... Um, what sort of Mother's Day celebration that is. Because sometimes on Mother's Day, we say, look, for mums, it's a day off all the chores. It's a day off all the caring that happens 364 days a year. But, um, you know, sometimes that doesn't quite work out. But it's certainly a day for honouring mothers. We might, we might give them flowers. We might give them presents. When I was really small, my dad would line up three African violets, one for me, one for my brother, one for my sister, and we used to collect these African violets and traipse into my mother's bedroom first thing in the morning for years and years and years and years. And yet there are no African violets ever to be seen in the house now. She must have been sick of them. But anyway, that's, that's what happened when I, was, when I was small. Mother's Day is often considered to be a, a Christian tradition, but actually there's nothing in the Bible about Mother's Day at all. Uh, mother's Day became a bit of a thing uh, and, and what we know it today um, as the commercial opportunity that exists in, in, uh, in the 1900s. And it was an American, um, as you might have guessed, American um, push to, to honour and celebrate mothers and spend money on cards and flowers and chocolates. There are quite a lot of Mother's Day cards that we see in the shops today, aren't there? There are all sorts of, all sorts of cards. We've got some cards to show us. Here we are. Here's a Mother's Day card. Mum, we both know I'm your favourite. <laughs> okay, this one's quite small, but uh, this one says, uh, I would like to apologise for and the list of stuff. Making you take care of the hamster. Quitting everything. Ages 12 to 17. <laughs> keeping you awake for five years. Uh, keeping you... Uh, I'll re- keep it out for roughly five years. Drawing on your furniture. Yeah. Refusing to sit at the table like a normal child. <laughs> and so on. What else we got? Okay, my greatest teacher, my best friend, my cheapest therapist. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, happy Mother's Day from your favourite child. They're all a bit cheeky, aren't they? You do get some, though, that are... Uh, you do get some that are a little bit soppy. Almost sickly sweet. A man's work is from sun to sun, but a mother's work is never done. (laughs) Move on, (laughs) Daz. You're my favourite parent. Well, you're definitely my top two. That's good. I like that. Okay, another another sickly one. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, and so they go on. Things I love about mum. Oh, here we are. The biggest pie is uh, best home cooking ever. There it is. Lovely. Anyway, let's move on, because um, very often 
we on, on Mother's Day will we'll, we'll talk from the Bible about mothers we find in the Bible. We might think about, uh, might think about Hannah, the mother of Samuel. We might think about uh, Timothy and everything that's mentioned there about his mother, uh, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois, and uh, think what good and effective mothers they were. We might think about Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, or Mary, the mother of Jesus, or Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and how they had a promise of motherhood on their lives, which they then um, uh, saw come to pass. We might think of the account of mighty King Solomon, who uh, resplendent in the palace in Jerusalem, and his mother wants to talk to him, and his mother walks into the room and he bows down low, and then arranges for a throne to be bought into the room so she can sit and talk to him. And, uh, and all that is to, to honour our mothers and, uh, and that great example from King Solomon. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But today, I don't want to talk about that. I want to look at something specifically that Jesus said when a woman in a crowd called out to him. So can we turn in our Bibles to Luke 11? If you just quickly turn and look at verse 14, you might see it headed up in your Bible, something like this. In my Bible, it says, Jesus and the Prince of Demons. And what we have here is um, a little incident that occurs when Jesus has just freed a man from a demonic power and he's made him well, set him free. But some who saw that happen started to accuse Jesus of getting his own power from Satan himself. And so Jesus starts to explain to him that his power comes from God. He starts to explain the, uh, the, the folly of, of their thinking and their accusation. And he takes the opportunity to announce once again that the kingdom of God has come. But if we skip forward to verse 27, there's a lady in the crowd, moved by all she's seen and all she's heard, and she just bursts out, bursts out and shouts, Jesus, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came, and the breasts that nursed you. Quite. <laughs> That's not the kind of slogan any of us have ever seen on a Mother's Day card. <laughs> and, in fact, and in fact, if you've written that on a Mother's Day card and not yet posted it, let me just say, don't. <laughs> But Jesus didn't question the truth of that woman's statement, but he pointed her to an even greater truth. The next verse. But even more blessed are all those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Even more blessed. You know, we've heard some great testimony this morning from Maria, talking about the blessing of being a mother. And I'm sure that every mother in the room can echo um, what it means to be blessed by God in that way. But Jesus says, yeah, but even more blessed are all those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Even above taking this opportunity to praise and honour his own mother, Jesus considered it vital to redirect his listeners to where true blessing is to be found in hearing the word of God and putting it into practice. And maybe this reminds you 
of a story, of a parable that Jesus told. Anything coming to mind? Come on, it's not a rhetorical question. It's, uh, the, 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 there's a nice easy answer to this, where Jesus told a story to explain what it meant to hear the word of God and to put it into practice. He said, people who do that is like a man who built his house on the rock. And uh, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus told this, uh, this, this story. It appears a few times in our Bible, but in Luke 6 it says this. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground, without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So there's Jesus elsewhere just expanding on this idea of people who listen to what he has to say, but then put it into practice. And actually it's a a theme which occurs time and time again in Scripture. In the Old Testament, we read about Samuel telling his people, he says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, that's heed the word of God, is better than the fat of rams. Talking about the sacrifice again. He's saying, look, it's one thing, it's all very well, you can do your sacrifices, but actually, if your heart's not in it, if you're not obeying what God says, then it's a little bit futile, it's a bit worthless. The prophet Isaiah, he says, the Lord says, these people say they are mine, they honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. That's pretty damning, isn't it? What a thing to be said about people who are going through the motion, look as if they are worshipping God. But he says, well, I can see your lips moving, but there's, there's nothing on the inside. So in that passage we read where Jesus is talking about the wise and the foolish builder, Jesus asks, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do as I say? And we're not thinking about this this morning in order that we all suddenly start feeling condemned and start looking at our feet and, uh, and, and, and uh, feeling guilty. But we do need to know that if we have ever felt this way, we've ever felt that we're just going through the motions, uh, ever felt as if we have heard the word of God but we're just far away from actually acting any of it out, we're not alone. The Bible is full of people like that. But once we've identified that that's the issue, it's important to know that what we should do next. And James, who is the brother of Jesus, picks up this thought when he writes to the church. And uh, we find this in the first chapter of the book of James, verse 22. James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise... You are only fooling yourselves. 
For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We've all been there in the mornings, rushing out to work, haven't we? And it's um, a quick shower, quick do the hair, and uh, make sure your tie is straight, quick looking around, good to go. And that's it. By the time you've got downstairs, well, you can't quite remember what you looked like, but it was okay. It was, it was good enough. But, but God is saying, no, take time to, to look into his things. Because there's a payoff in what James says there. If you do what he says... And don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Who wants a bit of blessing from God? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm right up for that. Yeah. <laughs> there is blessing reserved for those who pay attention to God's word and obey it. When we demonstrate the, the truth of our praise, the truth of our worship, through our actions and obedience. You know, there is a... Um, even the opportunity that we are together this morning and we have wonderful words put in front of us on our screen and we raise our hands and we, we sing the words that are on the screen and we, we can all do that but how much of that is resonating in our hearts how much of that are we going to take out of the door with us today into the days ahead of us when we have the potential to be really effective for, for God and, uh, and to witness for him. So this is the question to ask. What are the words that have been spoken by God that we can put into practice? What's he said to us? Well, you know, God has said so much to us <laughs> that we, we could be, we're not going to be, here all day looking at all that God has said. I've picked three things. Not quite at random, but I've picked three things for the sake of just looking at three things that we can take hold of today as a body of believers here in Market Harbour. And, and each of them has a promise to spur us on. Yep. So here's the first. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, you'll know this well. Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. That's what God says. And here is the promise. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's quite easy to read that, um, those, those verses and picture the scene. And Jesus has got his disciples gathered around us. And Jesus says, I am with you always. And you think, great for those guys. Great for those guys. For as long as they live, Jesus is with them. But he doesn't say that. He says, and until the end of the age. That includes all of us. That includes all of us. That's Jesus' promise to us. Go and make disciples, and I will be with you as you do that. At its simplest level, making disciples is making followers. That's, that's what it means. If we boil it right down to basics... Do you know, the world around us, think of Twitter, completely obsessed with making followers. There's even a button. Ding! I'm following. 
Yeah? The world around us is obsessed with making followers. Making followers is not a new concept in this world, is it? Making disciples is not about creating teaching programs. Although it could be, but it's not about making teaching programs. It's not about becoming full-time preachers. It's not about being permanently mystical. (laughs) It's about leading people to Jesus by the witness of our lives. A life which displays something of the truth of God. Michelle testified this morning how she discipled her work colleagues on Monday morning as she gathered them round and shared some of God's truth with them. Uh, Esther can be a great disciple at the school gate and in the having coffee with neighbours. She can be uh, be making disciples there. She doesn't have to be a preacher. I watched Dan working on my house for two months. Dan's a great leader. People follow him. Dan can make disciples on the building site. We can make disciples in the offices. We can make disciples in care homes. We can make disciples in schools. We can make disciples wherever we go and wherever we are. And that is the mission that Jesus has given his people. And here's the second thing that God has said to us. And this links very much with what David brought to us last week about being the supernatural church. So let's turn to John chapter 14 and verse 12. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And the promise is in the next bit. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot recognize him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And you know, boil it down, it's the same promise. I will be with you. I will be with you by my Holy Spirit, by the advocate described in there. And this is something that we will often say, but I really want to make sure it sinks in. Jesus is with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is really with us (laughs) in the person of the Holy Spirit. No, no, really, honestly. Jesus is really with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes? In fact, 
Jesus was so confident that he would be with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. He said to his disciples, in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, I will send him to you. Just imagine how great it would be if Jesus walked into this room in his physical body as he had when he was on earth. And we, we would just love to gather around Jesus, wouldn't we? Yeah. And hear what he had to say to us. But Jesus says this, no, no, it's better that I go away and send the Holy Spirit and I'm with you in that way. You know, when Jesus was, was on earth, he was in one place at one time. He took on a human body. He took on um, human physics, human biology. But he sends his Holy Spirit so he can be within all believers, everywhere, all over the world. It really, really is better that Jesus is not here and that he sends his spirit. Jesus is really with us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Yes? Do we really believe that? You know, we really need to know and be convinced of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in all we do. Because that's, that is why we're here. You know, we believe that we're in Market Harbour to carry the name of Jesus to Market Harbour and beyond, believing that as we do so, we'll be empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit who will give us everything we need. We really, really need to know that Jesus is with us and living in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And we're on mission together, but it's not our mission. It's his mission. We get to join in. I've got some great news. If we're on mission with the Holy Spirit among us, living in each one of us, we are on the winning team. We're definitely on the winning team. The Bible says that God doesn't want a single person to perish. That is to be lost. That is to not be with him for all eternity. He wants the whole world to be saved. And we have God himself calling us to his mission to enable us to be witnesses to him. Be people who said, we've seen what Jesus has done for us. Can can I share that with you? Can you see that for yourself? The Holy Spirit is the most effective witness of Jesus there is. Did you hear the testimony that Michelle gave earlier? She asked for a filling of the Holy Spirit and then the very next day became an effective witness in the workplace. Michelle did not do that in her own strength. She did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is an expert in evangelism. Yeah, we can. We can spend our time devising our schemes and printing our flowers. Flowers. Printing our, printing our flyers. <laughs> Didn't say flowers at all. Printing our flyers and organising our meetings and, um, and, 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 and running all these events. But we need to call upon the Holy Spirit who is expert in evangelism in order that everything we do lines up with his mission. Yep.
What else have we heard God say? Here's the third thing that I've chosen. It's this. Become mature. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. And uh, we'll pick this up at verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And here's the promise. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. A healthy body, growing and full of love. That does sound like a good place to be, doesn't it? In a healthy body, growing and full of love. Do you know this? We can choose to be mature. Maturity has nothing to do with age. Maturity has nothing to do with experience. We can choose to be mature, whether we're 10 years old or whether we're 90 years old. We can choose to press into him. We can decide to do what it says in the psalm, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Press into him. Get up close. When it says taste and see it's almost like getting close enough to hmm yeah <laughs> but, but get up close seriously and see that the Lord is good yeah yeah excellent the reason it's a good analogy is this we can hunger and thirst after him yeah yeah, we can hunger and thirst after him and for the evidence of his kingdom to be seen in our lives so making disciples that's for Bible teachers isn't it that's for, that's for preachers well no no that's for us all in the power of the Holy Spirit no not me yes in the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus really really lives with us by his Holy Spirit. Become mature? Well, maybe when I'm old. No. (laughs) Choose to be mature. Choose to be mature now. Let me say this. In In my own life and experience, there have been times of my life when I have been going through the motions. There have been times in my life when I have known the word of God and not done it. When I've turned up at gatherings of the church 
and my lips have done the stuff and my heart hasn't done it. There have been times in my life when I have known what it is to press into and mature in the things of God. Now, I say that knowing that I'm miles off being the finished article. But there are times when I have known what it is to choose to become mature in the things of God, to press into him, to get close enough to taste and see. Yeah. But living a life that sets the pace for others in the things of God. Doing so in the power of the Holy Spirit, freely given to all believers. If we've repented of our sins and turned to God, God says he will give you the Holy Spirit. We need to receive him, but the Holy Spirit is freely given to every believer. And to press in and to become mature. And repeat, make disciples. Do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Press in and become mature. And repeat, make disciples. Do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Press in and become mature. It's a, it's a virtuous circle of activity. Jesus said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When we look at that, uh, that text in the amplified version of the Bible, it says, Blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who actively seek right standing with God for they will be completely satisfied so let's together be a body that's hungering and thirsting for righteousness daring to get close enough to taste and see the goodness of God there's a wonderful promise as our reward so today we say this to our mothers mothers be really blessed we, we honour you. Yeah. We honour our mothers. Uh, in some cases, we honour the memory of our mothers on this day. But get this, Jesus says, but even more blessed are all of those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.